everybody welcome to episode 348 of the art jacob do america podcast and believe it or not that is like the fourth take i've had to do doing that but anyways guys welcome to three episode 348 i am your host in the place to be mr jacob p god damn look at my elbow looking ashy as can be i'm sorry about that man, folks. is it both elbows it's funny i only get ash on like my left elbow but my right elbow stays like fucking yeah, silky look, smooth dude. look at that shit there's like both a- of them no, there's just one. Like oh, that one's like a little bit of. Oh, a you get it on your right elbow. I get it on my left elbow. Oh, Maybe you should left ask brain, him. right brain, dude. Maybe you should, you should ask him. start a fucking fire, <laughs> rub up against each other. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm Jacob P. In the place to be, and sitting right across from me, my very straight friend in Christ, my brother in Christ, if <laughs> my you will. Brother in Christ. Yeah, my outdoorsman over here, Mr. The Brown Recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to them millions guys what the fuck is up guys go to cavemancoffee.com check out their entire inventory they got coffee beans they got hibiscus tea they got cacao butter they got decaf coffee which i'll be honest with you i've been like snorting up the decaf like it was fucking cocaine lately okay but uh yeah i mean their entire cat check out their entire catalog bro uh, use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off. Tell Mark Jacob sent you. They appreciate it. We appreciate it. Take a picture of yourself fucking drinking the nitro cold brew or drinking the decaf, whatever floats your boat. Uh, just uh, just coming from a place of warm, comfortable cups of coffee. Love it. And I'll tell you this right now. When I was younger, uh, coffee was coffee was coffee and whatnot, right? So the other day at work... Um, somebody bought some bullshit ass coffee. Oh. I'm, just, I'm just gonna say the corporation's name, Folgers. Oh yeah, that's it. Was day. it was not the best part of waking up, and I had forgot my coffee, which was a delicious shaker cup full because I drink a lot of coffee because I need a lot of caffeine to deal with all this fucking shit I got to do in my life. But anyways, I didn't have it. I forgot it at home. I was in a rush and whatnot. So I remember like, oh yeah, homeboy from work, he bought a big old fucking. It was like a gallon of fucking really bad yeah. processed coffee or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Coffee's coffee's coffee or whatever, right? Oh, it's like in the thing where you have to like put in a little paper filter type thing? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it was it was not a good time. And so I, I you know, I was like, whatever, whatever, right? Put it in there, you know, put the thing on, come back in two minutes, and I'll have a whole pot of coffee ready to go, right? Pour the coffee, put it in my shaker cup I have at work, the empty one I have at work. Start drinking it. One, the taste was fucking off. So when you drink some caveman coffee, it's going to fucking spoil your fucking ass because you're going to be like, oh, this is delicious. You can drink it black. You don't, no creamer needed. You can put the creamer in if you want. You can put the cacao butter in if you want. Yeah. But drink it black and it's delicious. Yeah. I was drinking this Folgers bullshit and it literally tasted like fucking somebody peed in dirt. It was yeah. disgusting. And then not only that, but, like, it had, like, all my fucking stomach, bile, like, all fucked up. Like, I literally wanted to throw up from this Folger. So what I'm trying to say, guys, is not only do we fucking recommend getting the fucking caveman coffee to help support your boys over here at the podcast, but do it for your fucking health. Don't be drinking that fucking Folger's bullshit. So, with that said, all that too much information. Speaking of sponsors, guys, I need everyone to head on over to SucreApparel.com where the great and powerful, powerful Nicole Smith-Bosch has put together an illustrious array 
of merchandise for your consumption pleasure. So Valentine's Day is a vastly approaching, fastly approaching. And maybe you want to buy somebody that you want or desire some lovely, lovely presents, uh, gifts, uh, incentives to lay down the pipe, if you will. Uh, Nicole will do that for you. Just check out our store. Uh, put everything that you think that person, that special person in your life might want, love, and desire. But before you hit checkout, guys, I need everyone to enter promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But Art, we're not here to talk about how Folgers makes me want to throw up or how Nicole Smith Bosch's illustrious array of merchandise will get you laid for Valentine's Day. Art, what are we here to talk about today? Guys, we are here to talk about uh, another album review, or I guess album review is what we're calling them, yeah. but um, we're talking about the Queens of the Stone Age album, Songs for the Deaf, an album that, dude, I didn't realize it was as old as it is. I did not either. 2002. So, like, really quickly, this is, you know, just a quick background to, like, Queens of the Stone Age. I had a buddy that i went to high school with his name's bryce and he would always tell me about like he would always do weird shit like he would he bought like a printer that like to print his own shirts oh okay um and like he would always print like bands that like like he would always have like sonic youth shirts and things like that. oh he was a bootlegger yeah pretty much so he would make like (laughs) he would make his own like sonic youth shirt or whatever and like all these things and like i always thought that was like legit and um one time he was telling me about Queens of the Stone Age, and I was like, I heard the first Queens of the Stone Age album, and I wasn't like that into it. And then um, I didn't hear Rated R when Rated R came out, but when this album came out, I was like, holy shit! Like this is fucking, this is fucking legit. Actually, I I heard someone on like MTV talking about uh, about it one time, and I was like. I, it was like they had like this like bald metalhead guy who was like a ripoff of Matt Pinfield. I don't know what his name was, but <laughs> it wasn't was Jamie Josta, was it? No, no, it was like a young Matt Pinfield, but he was okay. all metalheaded out. And he was talking to this other guy who who mostly did like um, like indie rock. I think they had a, a thing called like Subterranean okay. at the time, and they were like talking about like music and like their favorite albums of the year. And they brought up this album, and they were like, yeah, like that's the consensus, are both of our favorite albums of, like, consensus favorite album of the year. And I was just like, I had heard it up until this point. Like, I had heard some of the Queens of the Stone Age things from this album. I knew that it was blowing up with with, um, with the, the single with... Um, no One uh, Knows. No One Knows was blowing up. And I, I knew that about it, but I remember when I got the CD, I was like, blown away from like track one all the way through mm. but that's pretty much my my background of, of this album like first time first time ever hearing it okay <clears throat> so i told you i think before we started recording like i purposely didn't text you a lot this week because i didn't want to like ruin any anything in regards to what we we're going to talk about i want everything to be an organic surprise yeah, or yeah. whatever right so um usually like when we do like these album reviews uh, for the most part, it's usually albums that like we both agree that are like classic albums. I yeah, think the first yeah. one we did was Injustice for All, um, uh, Deftones, uh, White Pony, uh, Slipknot's Iowa, uh, Nine Inch Nails is um, uh, fucking I can't think Downward Spiral. <laughs> Downward Spiral, yeah, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. But I blinked for some reason. Again, got a touch of the Bidens there for a minute. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, usually like when we do these album reviews, like we agree across the board, classic album and whatnot, right? Um, and this is, I think, going to be one of the first where it's just like, I don't think this is a classic album. And when you suggested it, I was like, sure. Like, I'm up for that challenge because I have like my taste. I have my bias and whatnot. And when I hear that like, oh, consensusly the industry or my friend group or whatever genre that you know i'm i'm playing with at the moment if they say an album's a classic album and i disagree with it like it's usually my it's it's on me like there's something yeah. that i'm missing there's something that i'm not hearing or whatnot right so you suggested it and i was like oh that's random like i remember listening to this album in 2002 yeah. because you mentioned you know the big single no one knows like they were mtv's darling you couldn't go yeah. 
five minutes without, you know, it being mentioned or played, you know, somewhere on the radio on MTV, VH1 or whatnot, the box. I, I do disagree with you that, like, if it's something that you don't like, it's not that you're missing something. It's like, if it's not your taste, then it's not your taste. It's nothing wrong with it. I don't think that it's like, when it, when people say, like, classic albums, like, uh, to me, like, Jordan heard White Pony and wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite album of all time. To me, it's like, it's not like I'm like, dude, you don't get it. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like, to me, it's just like, there are, like, genres and, like, tastes and different things that, like, 100%. Th- that, that are that are there. And, like, the people that say, like, I listen to anything. I listen to all kinds of music. It's bullshit. That's a bullshit thing. Like, nobody does. It. Like, mm. no, that's, you listen to maybe popular things or things within that genre, things within this, like, year, you know, thing or whatever. Like, uh, you know, I don't listen to a lot of, like, stuff from the 1940s. Like, I don't. Like, I'd be lying. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, but, like. Um, yeah, no, to continue down that road, like, a good example of that, though, where it's like, I didn't like something, and then it ended up being like, oh, I actually do like it, mm-hmm. is we've said it a few times that this movie Inglorious Bastards, I thought that movie sucked uh, American Psycho. I just thought the movie sucked like when I first saw it and they ended up being like yeah. two of my top favorite movies of all time. Another uh, album that kept getting thrown around as a classic album for a while. And I didn't agree with it until I actually sat down and was like, Oh, okay, I get it. Slayer rain and blood. Like now I'm like, Oh dude, that's how could I ever have ever thought that that wasn't classic or whatever. So there's like little to me, like me personally, like there's little like obstacles, like I have to overcome. And even if I don't agree that it's a classic more times than not, I can like, I can see why someone would call it a classic album and whatnot. Right. Or a classic movie and whatnot. Right. And this was like one of those ones where like you suggested it. And I was just like, I'm, I'm up for that challenge. Cause I went on the Wikipedia, all music blender, Entertainment Weekly, uh, The Guardian, Los Angeles Times, uh, Enemy, Pitchfork, Q, not the... Not, no, Q went on. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Even Donald Trump. Donald Trump a, said, yeah. Donald Trump. Stars. Uh, 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 fucking Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump. They all call this a classic <laughs> album, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, across the board, everyone was calling it a classic. And I remember in 2002, again... Go back in time. Uh, no one knows. That was a popular, popular song and music video in the summer of 2002. So, you know, right after you know my junior year, going into my senior year of high school, it was all over the place. And I actually really liked the song. It was a really quirky, weird song. Liked it. Downloaded the fuck out of it on LimeWire or Kazaa or whatever was like the big like uh, music file sharing software at the time that gave my computer a virus. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like being like really excited because there, and then behind that whole video and song, there was a lot of hype behind the album coming out. Uh, you had like a lot of like the MTV VJ saying like, "Oh, dude, you're in for a treat when this album actually drops." Dave Grohl is the drummer. Um, going back to his Nirvana, his time like in Nirvana as just a full-time drummer, taking a break from Foo Fighters um, as the lead singer, front man. And like just this, this big hype machine was behind it. And I remember thinking to myself like, fuck, I can't wait. Like I need some new music. I can only listen to fucking Ride the Lightning so many goddamn times, you know, or fucking whatever like was in my tape deck, Dr. Dre's 2001, so many times. Like I need something new. I need something fresh or whatever. And I remember putting this album on when I finally got it and thinking to myself like, man, I'm kind of underwhelmed here. And like, that's where I kind of left it from 2002 all the way up to 2024. Mm-hmm. And then all throughout this week, you know, thank God bless Apple music, like listening to this album, maybe like 12 or 13 times thinking to myself, like the first time around I was like, okay, it's better than I remember. But every time down the line, I kind of liked it a little bit less. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this album, and it, it's funny because when this album first came out, it sounded different to me than the first, like, Queens of the Stone Age album. Correct, And yeah. then when I f- heard this album, I went back and listened to Rated R, because my buddy Bryce was like, Rated R's better. And I was like, interesting, let me go hear Rated R, which I disagree. I think Rated R is good, but, um, but I don't think it's better than, than this album. I agree with you on that, And yeah. then, um, I think... 
for the most part, there is kind of like this Queens of the Stone Age sound that gets kind of, you know, introduced, you know, when you have the four like vocalists coming at you on this album. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's a, there's a different element to, to this album. Um, even, even right off the bat, like, you know, I don't want to do a track by track thing, but the album starts off like it truly starts. I think on Apple Music they added something like the real song for the deaf or something like yeah. thing like that. It's like I don't consider that part of the album. But to me, like the, the album starts off the way it was on the C D, the vinyl, whatever. It is like it starts with Millionaire. The the journey and it doesn't take that long to figure out what's going on here, but it's literally someone getting in their car, driving from downtown Los Angeles driving to the Joshua Desert, you know, Joshua Tree Desert, and it's basically the journey of that. In the middle of all of this, it's pretty much a very kind of personal story that's going on that you kind of got the, you kind of see a little bit of that during the Rated R sessions where, like, Rated R was, like, a younger band, obviously, but more of a party band, more of a band that's, like, indulging in whatever's going on whether it be like women drugs like whatever it is this one is a slightly older band with dave Grohl kind of taking these guys under their wing and basically trying to mature the guys to to like don't burn out like you guys are way more talented than this like do not burn out and that to me is like the album it's the struggle of an of an addict you're as you hear every song like starting from millionaire which is like a hard hitter and it's like I think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. I always just call it millionaire, but yeah, that's. <laughs> but it starts off with that like heavy ass, like one of the heavier songs in the album, which is like I, I don't want to make it sound like I know it made it sound like I fucking hate this album. We'll say that like this album is like a sandwich, like <laughs> like a like a reverse sandwich kind of thing, like where uh-huh. it starts really good and it ends really good too. It's just my biggest beef is like all the songs in between uh-huh. after a certain point. But go on, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I mean, I think. It's it's a great way to start the album. It literally starts off with some dude getting in his car and going down this thing. And if, if you listen to what he's talking about and, like, the indulging of, like, being this, like, literally he's, like, talking about how he's, like, kind of this metalhead who, like, doesn't give a fuck. Like, um, I was like, the Toro, give me some more. And if you don't know what he's talking about, he's talking about an opiate drug that's just like, I don't give a fuck, just give me some more because I'm a metalhead and it's just going to make me kind of feel soft inside because I'm such a, like, fucking hard-ass dude. Just give me some more. I just want to feel that softness, you know? And it's just like, it, right off the bat, when I was younger, I was like, that's I don't, like that's fucking badass. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck about the lyric part of it. I just think like, that's badass. It is, it is a banger, too. Like, yeah. it, it does have, like, that vibe. And there is certain songs on here, and this label gets like applied to them it's like desert rock desert rock or stoner rock yeah, yeah i hear that a lot yeah i guess stoner <laughs> rock but i think that's another conversation later on maybe but like there is like that like element of like oh yeah i can see this being um a band that plays like out in the middle of the desert kind of thing like it has its own unique sound and feel and look to it and like this is one of those songs that like encapsulates like if you, if you told me like, oh, what's like a stereotypical desert rock sound? Like it would be this. Like that's very much this song encapsulates that. Even though it's supposed to be the journey starts. Like you said, it's like a quasi concept album, like of mm-hmm. a road trip from downtown LA to Joshua Tree. Uh, but yeah, it does sound like, yeah, this is like a song that would be played out in like the middle of like San Bernardino or some shit. Yeah, I mean, it 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 does, all, all the song. I mean, there is a sound to Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. There is kind of like this weird thing where they they take on different elements to make it sound like slightly different. I don't know if he does it on this album, but I saw something like where like he wanted like a very unique sound. So instead of using like a guitar amp, like he plugs his guitar into a bass amp. I don't know if he does it on this album or that's just something he did like in his previous band, Kias or Caius or whatever. Caius, yeah. Yeah. But like, I was like, Oh yeah, I can see that. Cause it's like, I like that really warm fuzzy sound to like his guitar tone yeah i'm sure i'm sure there's elements of that all over i mean one of the songs that kind of has that vibe and it's later in the the album track listing but there's a song on there called another love song another love song it almost has like a 1970s rock feel to it where it's like it sounds like a 19 and it's it's um i believe it's nick again singing on that song but it's 
it has like this very like 1970s surfer vibe like Mm -hmm. you know it almost sounds like the zombies could have done this song and like you know, back in the seventies or something. Yeah, like that. it's like a rockabilly kind of feel to yeah. it too. Yeah, real quick, um, you mentioned that on Apple Music, there's a song on there called "The Real Song for the Deaf." Yeah, I guess like that was actually a part of the actual CD. I didn't know this, and I thought this was like a cool fact or whatnot. But I guess like it's actually a track zero where it's a pre-gap hidden song where oh. like I mean back in like the nineties, like and shit, like corn. Nine Inch Nails, they would do this. Like there would be like a humongous space after like the last song, and then you yeah. get like a hidden track and whatnot. I guess this was like in reverse, where like if you rewinded the CD, I didn't know you could do this uh-huh. from track one. You can rewind it, I guess, a minute, a negative minute thirty three in, and you get that track in there as well. So it was it was a very much embedded song already in the CD. I don't know how you would do it like on a vinyl. So mm-hmm. I guess like the 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 technique of that would be a little bit different but i guess like yeah like that's why apple has it as like track one yeah is because of that fact where it's just like that is a part of the data of the cd yeah i just i you know just not one of the ones that i like ever like considered as like the uh what do you mean you, you you weren't a real fan you didn't you didn't yeah. uh, uh rewind <laughs> it from track one the the real meat and potatoes part of it but um yeah no i get you though yeah i mean Another standout track, the uh, No One Knows. Obviously, that was a big single. Yeah. You know, Classic song. And, I'll and, say that, yeah. And, and really, Dave Grohl really stands out. This is really when you start to see Dave Grohl's fingerprints into the uh, into what they are, you know, because they really weren't that fast-paced on their previous two albums. And all of a sudden, you get two back-to-back songs with No One Knows and First It Giveth. And that's another one of those things that's like right off the bat it's like that's dave Grohl's drumming right off the bat like it really sticks out one of the things that later on down the road um trent Reznor will talk about how he heard this album and he's like that's the kind of drumming i i need for for my album which later on turned into with teeth mm-hmm. but it was that's why dave Grohl's on that album drumming because he was just like that is like I need that to come out on my album. And that's, I would say very much this, like this is very much when I was trying to like see why people consider it a classic. Like when you listen to it, like as a guitar player, I'm a guitar player. It's not like that impressive, but if you listen to it, like from the drum standpoint, like, Oh yeah, this is like painkiller for drummers Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like Judas priest is painkiller for drummers. Like this is an absolute banger for drumming wise. Like you can see like, being that whole progression where it was just like, yeah, you were an outstanding drummer in Nirvana. Now you're like the lead singer slash guitar player for Foo Fighters. That was tiring being a part of the Foo Fighters. You're still probably like um, um, fucking in mourning from Nirvana kind of thing. It's just like a breath of fresh air. Like, ah, oh, let me step behind the kid again. It's like finding his legs again. Yeah. I mean, those two songs, he he definitely like stands out. They're standout songs. More songs about addiction and alcoholism going on there. The album, I mean, it doesn't throw it in your face. That is one thing I like about this album in comparison to Rated R, where like Rated R really points out like, like if you look at the the Rated R concept is more like movies. So mm-hmm. like every song has kind of its mov- own movie poster and like what the song is about, and they give like each song like a movie rating. Yeah. On that album, which I think it's another like genius concept album, but in this one, not as in your face as far as like what's going on here. But, you know, the first it giveth, it's like, you know, going back to the, like the whole drug concept, there's more drug concept in this, but you brought up Dave Grohl. I don't know if anybody stands out more uh, than the, the song for the dead. That song is like Dave Grohl's like fucking like best drumming work i think in any band he's ever been in you know what what's funny about that is before you even suggested this as a topic and i know you've probably seen this video but there's like that video of like those guys in the bathroom like it's like a like a little youtube uh tiktok clip and they have like the horse mask on and like they're doing they're playing like the drums like on a on a like a lowe's like paint bucket kind of thing uh-huh and it was and it sounds badass or whatever right and i was mm-hmm. like damn that's a badass song and to like go back in the day, like when I said I first when I first heard this album, and I was super underwhelmed. I remember like like thinking like yeah, that was a good song, and then like that was it for like a decade and a half or whatever. And I remember going back, and that organically came up in my feed, and I was like, man, what the fuck? Like, why don't I have this as a part of like my 
my repertoire because I agree with you. Like the beginning of that song, like Dave Grohl's drumming, which by the way, the the intro drumming for that is um, from a Black Sa- Black Flag song called "Slip It In." Like, like a he lifted that from it. But all throughout the song, like it progresses into his own like baby, and like the ending part of that song is like some of the best drumming I have ever heard. Like bar none. Yeah, like, that is like one of the best drumming I have ever heard. Like Neil Peart. Fucking Joey Jordison, fucking Dave Lombardo, like I don't think they could have even done as good of a job of yeah, doing that. It's it's a really like standout track. Like I remember seeing this seeing this live. I saw them play this like Halloween night when this album, like this touring cycle, and it was like one of the fucking most amazing things. That's the other thing that like really ties Queens to the Stone Age is like performance, like live performance. They're like up there in like top five best live performing bands I've ever seen. And um, every drummer that they've had, because Dave Grohl isn't the drummer now, like they switch drummer. The band members pretty much switch out every time, but they all get to they all get to kind of play like their version of this song in like whatever drummer they have going on, and it's like always a treat because you don't know where it's gonna go. So I really appreciate that about this song. It's a really really like badass song mm. as far as like you know drummers part of it. My only complaint about that song, though, is is like it's kind of like a perf- for me personally, it's like uh-huh. a perfect analogy for this album, where like the beginning is really solid and the ending is really solid, uh-huh. but I can't fucking stand like the middle part, like that whole middle part, like to me. And again, this is separate from the drumming because the drumming is fantastic, but yeah. we're talking about the guitars and the bass here, where it just feels like we're just like, well, this is this is Dave Grohl's song where like he's just gonna be like Animal from the Muppets right here, yeah. But like everything else is like very basic. Like it to me, it just sounds like we're just like we're just drumming this demo of, or we're just strumming this demo of a song because this has like a lot of that call and response kind of thing. Like, like it's like a lot of that, and it's like to me like it. And I don't mean this like to sound like derogatory, but it sounds like really lazy. It sounds like two guys like in guitar center just like fiddling around with guitars and like the other one here is the other one from across the room and they're it, kind of like doing that. It does have kind of like a jam rock vibe to it. I mean that's yeah. all of their albums do that though. Like all of it have kind of a jam rock and that is the 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 stoner rock element of it. If you listen to like a Fu Manchu album or something like that. Um I I do think, you know, not to like separate each instrument cuz that is a really standout track from from like the drumming element of it but like i don't know i guess for me it's some uh uh dude in orchestra in high school once said like the goal for music is when you hear it it should all sound as if it's one giant instrument not multiple different instruments and i always thought that that is the goal i I never tried to listen to things in like well, what's this guy doing? What's this guy doing? Like to me, it's just like Which is fair. There, there's been times where like it's it's important for like the guitar player to play nothing or this person to to do more. Like it doesn't Adam Jones, for example. Yeah, it, it to me that's 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 the brilliant of music. The the brilliance of music isn't who can play better or whatever. Like who's the best this or whatever. Like oh, it's so technical. Oh, like to me, it's like I don't care about that. Like like to me, it's like. Does this like <laughs> does this fucking like make you like fucking like move your fucking hips? Like this is like mm-hmm. to me it's like that's the at the end of the day, like that's the primate thing of like why people start making music in the in the fucking beginning because it like made people feel good and made the people want to dance. Yeah, and like to me it's like does it fulfill that element of it? And for me it's like yeah, like to me it's just like mm-hmm. that fucking that fucking slaps. Yeah, and what, I think one song, and, and to, I think for me to stay on that song for a minute, I think that's where like, and that's why I don't, I, I don't want to say I don't like that song because again, that sandwich where it's like the beginning's really good and the end's real good, but the middle is like to me boring as shit. It's uh-huh. whatever, and I think that like to your point where you said it should all sound like one instrument, or it's like to me it's like I just listen to the song for like the badass drumming, like the, the, the unfortunately the guitar and the bass don't do anything for me, and then vocally like it does put me to sleep like it's like man like this song was so good in the beginning and so good at the end like why can't i and it's a pretty long song it's or no it's not it's three minutes and 18 seconds but it feels a lot longer because it's like the middle part to me personally feels like a chore 
where it's like it's not one thing. It's just yeah. like a really badass drum song. And that the vocals on that one, that's the dude from the Screaming Trees. Um I I Mark Lanigan? Yeah, like I, I I dig it. Like I do dig his vocals. I know Josh plays sings them live now. Um but he does have kind of like a weird raspy voice to like and i think that that's a very like queens of the stone age thing where it's like every single line has like this weird like clever play on words type of thing you know like if you're hanging around then i'm holding the news like to me it's just like like everything is like it has a very like like 1970s like bar like element to it where like people see that and so like I don't know. I I like that element of it. To me, the funny thing is, when I heard this album for the first time, "The Sky Is Falling," which is the next song on the album, was the song that I was just like, "This does nothing for me." Like, this is a fast forward track for me. Yeah, and that's it was Phil. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't until I saw it live that I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, this is like way fucking like, like this fucking shit slaps. Like, this is like a headbanger song. Like the whole the this the way the song is structured it's designed for you like to just headbang the whole way through but it's when i heard it on the album i was like this is like really melodic this is not this almost sounds like it sounds like this should have been a b-side or something like that and like but i've completely flipped on like that song just because that that song just like reminds me of like how how good they were alive when i saw him for that one but i mean yeah this is the part of the album where it's like it starts even the the radio stations that are coming in and out mm-hmm. start becoming more and more strange. You get that dude that speaks in Spanish. You get that six shooter intro where it's just like we play all death metal all the time, and you get six shooter, six shooter. You know, probably the other really heavy track on the out al- on the whole album. Um, it's really short too, like a minute long or something. Yeah, like it, that. it's really short. But that's kind of what they did. They do that on the on the last album when they did that song about like hooking up with an underage girl or something like that. I forget what the name of that song is. Okay. But it's on the last album. And I only say that because there's a line where he says, I'm so old and you're so young or something like that. I don't know. It's a weird song. We'll revisit that some other day. But, okay. You know, I'm not <laughs> trying to get Nick in jail again. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> and we're talking about the bassist, the Nick bassist, Oliver. Yeah, yeah. He's spent. His, he's done a lot of jail time already. Yeah. For, you can for, tell for hitting women. So you, you could tell, like <laughs> that that part of like uh, no one knows where it's like, yeah. like and, he, and it like zooms in on him. Yeah. Like you're like the first time I saw it, you're like, man, that reminds me of some tweaker from Oildale. And as it turns out, like he's very you know, much like a tweaker from Oildale. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and then I guess this a talented is a, one. This is a good time to to talk about. I mean, the, the subject matter that's going on here is a lot of it is like kind of playful, and that's the thing about Queens of the Stone Age. A lot of the music sounds very playful. It sounds like stuff that would work on a radio, and then sometimes, but if you like really dissect it, it's like it's a little bit darker than what's going on there. This isn't like your Foo Fighter, more optimistic sounding stuff. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> and a lot of that has to do with like what every dude is going through going through and like nick had some like he got kicked out of the band for for a very good reason like he got kicked out for like beating up a girl and then hitting uh josh's future wife like who is the lead singer of the distillers like you oh, know it, it was like this is not like some like like oh we're just fucking making this shit up like th- this is like these dudes were like really going through it i mean it was like if it wasn't for Dave Grohl stepping in and like trying to like get these dudes to focus, like this album may have never happened. Um, Hanging Tree, honestly, Hanging Tree to me is like one of the better songs in the album. I fucking love Hanging Tree. I think it has the dopest like like intro. I don't know if it starts with like just like a lighter starting up and then and it's just like oh my god, dude, I fucking love Hanging Tree. And I'm the very opposite with it. This, really? That's what like Hanging Tree is like. Like I, I swear to God, I listened to the album like twelve, thirteen times, and maybe fourteen times to listen to it again at the gym. And like, I made sure I was like, okay, before I say what I want to say about yeah. like these knee jerk reactions, like, do I actually feel this? Is there something behind yeah, it? Yeah. And Hanging Tree was like one of those ones where it was like, God, it's a chore. To me, it was like it's a chore. It's boring. Uh, what was the other words I was thinking? I was just like, it. To me, like personally, like it's just yeah. like it could be cut out of the album and it would be really? it yeah, was, yeah. like, it felt like fat that needed to be trimmed out. I really, I really love like, so from this point on, I would say 
really to the only track that I always think that it's just kind of like it was just in there because they wanted to put another heavy song in there. It's probably Six Shooter. Six Shooter is the only one that I'm. Yeah, like, I don't care for that one either. Like, yeah, to me, Six Shooter is more of a gimmick track, and I still feel that way about it. Like it's just, but it, but it's so short. It's literally a minute and nineteen yeah. seconds. To me, I feel on. like, and I agree with you, and I think what it is like if to give the devil his due here as I think it was like a transition song and to kind of like the way I was, it was presented to me uh, on a few podcasts when they're talking about the history of this album, all the background on it is that they had all these songs and they didn't know how to fit them together because the way the songs sound, they all kind of have like their own distinct sound. It's not like you listen to a food, to use food fighters. For example, they have a 12 song album. All those songs kind of have like a similar sound. That album has a similar sound. Pink Floyd, that's going to be a similar sound. Yeah, they're all different songs, but they have a similar sound. But with this album, like every song has its own distinct sound. Yeah. And the reason why they introduced the concept of like, yeah, it's like a road trip from downtown LA to uh, Joshua Tree. And then they insert all these radio stations is to help transition each track into the next. So it didn't seem as jarring. Mm -hmm. Like when you go from No One Knows to First It Giveth to, you know, Six Shooter to Hanging Tree, which is like, they're all wildly different from each other. So you need like those, those transitions to, to I'll be honest with you. That was one of the things that like really turned me on about this record was that it was so wildly different. I didn't realize when I first heard this album that it was multiple singers. I, I know you assume like it's just all yeah, Josh. Yeah, I, I thought it was all. I thought it was all Josh when I first heard the when I first got to see this is back in like two thousand three. Is I it Josh like, Home or is it Josh Homie? Cause Josh like, Homie. Okay, because I kept calling him Josh <laughs> Home, and then I'm like, I, I would heard Josh Homie. I'm like, you idiots! That's not his real name. Yeah, so, Homie, Homie. Yeah. Okay, so like, I heard that, and and like I was like, dude, this dude's vocal range is all over the place. Like I didn't realize there were three d main dudes going throughout there, plus all the other guests that were that were showing up and like there's even like a cz top like reference in here like there's so many things that they were like trying to package into like what this album was going to be yeah um so you know another standout track big radio single um go with the flow go with the flow i mean that's the big radio single i think that one has like even surpassed what um no, I don't think it's bigger than no one knows. No, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. To I, me, I, I heard it like way more, and I got burnt out on that one. I, I think because Crab Radio, that's like a Crab uh, Radio. Like it's I, like how I feel when I hear Closer, where I'm just like, oh man, I don't want to really? hear Closer. I actually really like this song because it goes back to like what I was talking about at the beginning of the album. Like it has like that desert rock. Yeah. Like I can. Pitch, I like the song. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, I like, like the song, but like I it, like Closer, but I don't. I don't need to hear closer three thousand times a year. So. <laughs> um, but no, I I really like the song. But it goes back to like that sound of like um, the first song called Millionaire. Um, it like it has like that desert rock slash rockabilly flavor to it, where it's just like to me personally, like I wish a lot of the album had a lot of like those sounds, like the track one. No one knows. Go with the flow, and then later on, like when we get into the later songs and whatnot. Where I was like, ah, to me, like that, to me, it would have been a lot better if it had a lot of like that sound to it. Yeah. And then, really, I think right after that song, the album does change. It becomes like the final act of of what's going on here. Do you like the song, I'm Going to Leave You? I, I do like the song. I, I, so I like it for this main reason. I do think that this, at this point, you know, I've mentioned how there's a pretty obvious like drug reference thing here. Mm -hmm. To me, if you interpret it as if it's going to just be a relationship thing, that's one thing. But this is really a dude that's struggling with, Addiction. I need to leave this thing that's killing me. Yeah. But at the same time, I keep coming back to it. I leave, I want to, like, you don't know, I, I'm, i like, literally fighting to leave you, and I just keep coming back to you. Yeah. To me, it's just like, if you interpret that in a love, ele like, romantic element, it's kind of genius. I do like that. I think mm -hmm. I'm going to leave you and do it again, back to back, like, what he's talking about on those two songs back to back of like and this is I a keep coming back to this and it's and it's 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 not just a regular drug the drug he's referencing on those two songs back to back is heroin yeah so it's not just like oh dude i'm into marijuana it's just like it's heroin no you're you're stuck to this shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go listen to our <laughs> opioid addiction one <laughs> um uh, episode but um which is crazy because this is like right when like all that was popping off yeah. too yeah even even the opening track i mentioned <clears> he's <throat> talking about the 
the doing Toro. It's mm-hmm. like that's not an that's you know that's that's a fucking opioid before like when opioids were like first popping off, get on like, the streets, and they're yeah. from an area too, like where they're from. Like that's like where that all that shit started yeah. to hit hard he, at the first he, beginning of. He talked about how like this, you know, they did they did the rated R album, and they would go to Twenty Nine Palms and check into like shitty motels and just like fucking go on bingers, and like you know that was Queens of the Stone Age before like they. They got saved by Dave Grohl or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but like it was, it was gonna go bad. Like it was really gonna go bad if, if, if he didn't step in. And really, it kind of did. Like I'm surprised, you know, Nick isn't in prison, and like, you know, Josh, you know, he fucking like his, he's always coughing up a lung and like survived cancer and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, this album kind of has some like, you know, roots down the line and later. Queens of the Stone Age discography, mainly in um, in lullabies and um, and like Clockwork. Those two albums are kind of it's like weird sequels to this album, and he kind of like references things that you know if you you know not to go all the way to the end, but Mosquito Song he talks about how like the end of it is like ending up in a place where lullabies paralyze you, and like next album is called Lullabies to Paralyze, and it's like. It does kind of have like this weird like continuance continuing of, the story. of what's going on, and he's very like open about his, you know, you know, feeling optimistic about marrying the girl from the distillers, and like feeling good about having kids and all this stuff, only to have like Clockwork come out years later and being like, I lost it all, like <laughs> I am a broken man again, and like it's just like it's a very like you know his lyrics are very like blues oriented lyrics, and I think. You you really start to see that element, like lo- the lullaby sound starts to come out in these last couple of tracks, which would be another love song, uh, a song for the deaf, and the mosquito song. Which like that portion of the album again to make that reference of like a sandwich, like where it, the album starts really good and then ends really good. Like I said, like when I said, do you like I'm gonna leave you? Like when it starts from there to do it again and God is on the radio, another love song, <clears throat> a song for the deaf, which I think is amazing. Like when we're talking about desert rock, like like that psychedelic, like even like the sound of like the guitar makes, like it sounds like an eagle screeching across the sky kind of yeah. thing. Like I really love like this portion of the album. Like like I love, love this portion of the album. It's like I said, let's it my beef is is like it starts really good and ends really good, but it's just the middle part that like puts me asleep. But like if there was a like more of this shit like in the middle, I'd be right there with you calling this a classic. But no, I agree though. Like yeah. like the song for the death, even like the lady that's like talking. Yeah. The womb. Yeah. Like just like everything about it is like, God damn, she sounds so sexy. And like yeah. I saw a video on YouTube where they were talking about Josh's Josh Homie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I want to call him Josh Home, but um how like his whole style is mixing weird with scary with sexy and like her talking like mixed all three of those perfect yeah yeah no i mean there i i agree i mean queens of the stone age always has like that sexy vibe even when you listen to um and by sexy i mean like those that trucker sticker with like the two like sexy girls <laughs> right there yeah. I, I think like when you hear like clockwork like clockwork starts off with like a very like this this sounds like the most like dangerous song and the most like a girl could be stripping to this kind of song like and i think that's i I wish i knew what that name of that song was i'm blanking out um but yeah i I think this is where the album really takes a weirder twist like ending it with mosquito song and ending it in this kind of like uh, I don't know, maybe like nihilistic way of viewing the world and just like we're already dead type of thing and just mm-hmm. like whatever, like we're just food for mosquitoes anyways. It doesn't even matter. Like it does it does kind of end it on like a bummer because like, you know, this character finally made it out to the desert, listened to all these radio stations in the in the middle of like, you know, just random gibberish and like, I wish I would have looked into more who the to the uh, DJs were. I heard once that like Twiggy Ramirez was one of the DJs. Yeah, he did Tom Sherman like for oh. the Blood Drive at the college. Yeah, um, Jesse Jesse Hughes. Well, he plays the preacher. Yeah, for the uh, God is in the radio. Yeah, um, but I mean a few of the ones like, and I don't want to call them no names, but a lot of them were like the 
basically the personnel working on the album like they had like their little time to you know to do their um spiels yeah. <laughs> as the the radio DJs and whatnot and again to to say something positive about it like to me like that was like one of the highlights listening to the album was like the little skits and it kind of reminded me of like like the early death row uh day albums like with like doggy <laughs> style and dog food by the dog pound like it would be like dj easy dick and uh w balls like all those like you know like those radio like like it, it's like a it's a genius way to transition between songs and yeah you know listen to a different podcast you can tell like this was the first time people have been introduced to this and i think that's actually like an homage to like old 70s funk records like where they would do that like where they would pretend like they were a dj you know going into like the next track and whatnot and i think that's why again like snoop dogg and like the dog pound used to do it too because again it was an homage to like old 70s funk and whatnot so i thought that was like a really cool a really really good way too to like lighten up like the vibe of the album because sometimes it gets it gets dark i i agree i do think that the the fact that it's switching from radio stations and like i do think that without that the album does feel kind of disjointed without the little radio interludes Mm -hmm. i do think that the radio interludes make it at least for me i know that we don't agree on this but for me it makes it easy enough to where it's just like you can just continuously it is a great driving album. Like I almost think that like when they were writing this, they were like, "Well, can can someone air drum this on their on their steering <laughs> wheel? Like, can someone be like air drumming this while they're driving? Like, like you know, Maybe, like yeah. because a lot of a lot of what is happening here is 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 going, you know, is is happening there. I one time I saw them open up for for Nine Inch Nails, and they opened up with uh, the song for the Deaf song. And I remember thinking, like, damn, that's, like, the dopest way to, like, open it up. Because it has, like, that really dark, like, bass-sounding thing. And you're right. It has those screeching noises. Yeah, and it's just, like, oh, man. Like, yeah. even that line was, like, go get fucked or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. like, oh, man. Like, I I love it. Like, I, I do think it's a really cool ending. It has that, like, little hidden track that's, like, a little homage to the feel-good hit of the summer from their last album. Mm-hmm. Which, you know another drug reference you know i, I you know it's kind of weird like to hear someone's art like this and then just be like well <laughs> hope you hope you do it well like hope you're <laughs> hope you're all right because they were i mean literally like all this is like all this drug and addiction and all this thing like all these things that are like causing their lives to fall apart and here we are like at least for me this is an album that like when I was in high school, like dealing with like the dumbest like issues in life, going like, "Oh man, I hope this girl likes me." Yeah, you know, like maybe I should wear this Deftone shirt so she like <laughs> thinks I'm cool. So she'll, she'll look at me. <laughs> yeah, it's just like not you being Ken from the Barbie movie now. <laughs> yeah, just like you know, that's that's who I was in high school. You know, just, yeah, 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 just, yeah. Like no confidence, high schooler. Meanwhile, this motherfucker's dealing with like fucking Twenty Nine Palms hotel addiction and shit. Yeah, it's yeah. like this guy's like ruining his life like all, the whole band really besides dave Grohl, but like the whole band was like really like falling apart and um shout out to dave Grohl, man that fool's been through it man he like, has been through it when, when you said that like i was like didn't he have to do this already with kurt cobain like oh my god dude yeah. you know quick side tangent do you know that song um everlong yeah so like that is one of my favorite songs like i'm not even what a song? Foo fighters fan but Same i think here. that that is like an amazing song yeah but he wrote that while he was still married to his ex-wife about um I think the the lead singer of another band called Farouk Assault. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always thought that that was like like this dude has like survived band after band, marriages, divorces, like all this stuff and like the dude just comes across as like a really likable guy who's just like seen the world for like its ugliness and the beauty and everything in between. And like, like shout out to him. Cause like, you know, I mentioned this album mentioned like what he did on with teeth and all this stuff. And like, he just, he did that one, uh, collaboration with Josh and Trent Reznor where they just, nobody sings, but everybody's like just playing their instruments. That was awesome. Like, I think it's called like studio six Oh six or something. Um, but like, I don't know. Just seems like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then he spent like 18 hours like feeding the homeless like with his own cooker, like smoker or something like that. Have you heard that story? No, no. Like, he went to somewhere. Like he was touring somewhere and um, 
he went to feed the homeless, but he brought like his barbecue smoker and he just like smoked ribs like for the homeless for like 18 straight hours and shit. And I was damn. like, God damn, like that's, that that's commitment, man. That, man. that That's a, that's what a real rocker does. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. and only that, like you can play the shit out of some drums and yeah. you can sing like, uh, yeah, like I said, like dude, this seems like he's been through it all, yeah, man. Like dude. shout out to him. Yeah, no, he, he is awesome. Like he's funny. He's funny. He's charming. Foo Fighters. I always tell my girlfriend, we kind of like joke about how Foo Fighters is the most like, like nobody hates Foo Fighters, but like I feel like most people are like, like even me, I'm just like, I they're all right. Like, like I'm just, I don't love Foo Fighters. I don't hate Foo Fighters, but I don't love, like who fucking loves Foo Fighters? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, who hates Foo Fighters too? Like what kind of monster are you that you hate Foo Fighters? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, because when you said Everlong, I was like, yeah, I dig that song, and I don't consider myself a Foo Fighter fan. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but, no, I do dig that song. I dig I dig Dave Dave Grohl as a whole. I celebrate him yeah. as a whole kind yeah. of thing, and I wish. You should probably do a Dave Grohl episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a nice fellow. Yeah, good um, feller there. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, for me, I'll be honest with you, this is an album that, like, has evolved with me over the time. Like, at, at, at this time period, this was the album that really, like, like... I wouldn't say it was like I could see that the writing on the wall was there for like what new metal was and like I was like That's I, a good point to make too. Like this album came out like right at the tail end of like when Like Corn had just put out Untouchables and I was like, That's a shitty corn album. Yeah, this is the tail end of like the new metal era. Like it is it had started to overstay its welcome. But then at the same time, like where are we transitioning to? This is a world right after, right, literally a year after nine eleven kind yeah. of thing. We're entering the Iraq War. Like where do we pivot off to? You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I think that's why a lot of people, like when I was trying to grasp onto, like why do a lot of people love this album and I don't? And maybe that's what it was. Where it's just like I'm sick of this fucking bullshit new metal. I don't dig the fucking the the bands or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like I was always in that camp. I don't dig this emo thing, the dashboard conventional thing over here either. Like these are cool guys. Like I'll say that. I mean, they're all cool. You know, I think like the look, the sound or whatever, it's cool or whatever. And I think that's maybe too another thing too, like what people gravitate towards. It's like in the time frame in which it came out, like it was like the most authentically rock thing to be out there. And I think that that is, that is an important thing because like, you know, like, rock music was in a weird place I, I i do think that like you're right like new metal was kind of like you know dying it was it became so corny at that point no like pun intended like, <laughs> yeah i mean like <clears throat> you know the the bands were like kind of like a, a blink and you'll miss it type of thing that was happening uh, emo was starting to take off and it was like if you were a fan of like heavy heavy music, but like not necessarily into metal, metal, yeah, like what was there for you? Like fucking Nickelback or something like that. Like, <laughs> like there really wasn't anything cool. Like yeah. as far as like what was cool, I remember hearing this and thinking like this is cool. Like to me, mm-hmm. it was like like these guys like their guitar playing is like awesome. The drumming is awesome. Like the fact that they have like songs where they're like screaming their guts out and songs where they're being like melodic. I, I liked it. You know, it was the kind of music you can hear and be like, I'm not, you know, you're not a fucking wuss for listening to this. Yeah. It, it was like a, like a, like a cure all kind of band too, where it's just like, you could be a metal head and listen to this. You can be kind of like an indie rock head and listen to this. Like you, it, you didn't have to be genre specific yeah. to get into this band. And again, the Queens of the Stone Age is like, I, I know it kind of sounds like I talk shit about this album a little bit, but like they're a good band. I like them. It's just like, I don't, I don't consider this a classic album. If I had to put like a star rating on it out of five, I would say like going into this, maybe like a three and a half out of five. Um, and I'd probably say like after listening to it like 14 times this week, it regressed to like mm-hmm. a three out of five, which is still not bad. Mm-hmm. Like I consider Load by Metallica, which is an album I really do like. I in and, and this is a point I wanted to make too, or it's just like it's weird because like it has a lot of those elements from Load, like where Metallica got a lot of shit for not sticking to like thrash or sticking to like basic metal like that they did like on the Black album. And they were starting to venture out a lot like Queens of the Stone Age, where they would have songs like where they would be heavy but then you know be country here and the blues here and pivot all over the place and whatnot and they were still like metallica still queens of the stone age kind of thing and you know that album like when you say load like oh that's a bad word 
but I would very much give that load. I would be like, yeah, half of that album's like really good. And I would be like, yeah, that's a three and a that's a three star, three and a half star out of five album. Same in my opinion too. Like I'm not saying this is a bad album. I just don't consider it classic. But it's like right there with to me like in my world, I view it like on the same level as load. Where it's just like, oh, you guys are giving me a lot of different stuff. There's a lot of good songs. Yeah, there's some songs I'm gonna you know skip over, but there's a lot to grab onto. That if I was to make a compilation album mm-hmm. of Queen of the Stone Age, I'd be like, oh, or see them live, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, that that sounds like a good time. Yeah, I get you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, it just it feels very authentic from the from the moment I heard it. Like, that's one thing about Queens of the Stone Age is that I'd never heard a Queens of the Stone Age album and been like, oh, they're trying to do this uh-huh. or he's trying to explore this. Like, it always just feels like that is what is going on like that that is just like that is just queens of the stone age like it it never it never feels like this is the experimental one or this is where he wanted to try more country he wanted to do this i kind of feel the opposite that's why i feel like that whole middle section that's what it felt like to me Mm -hmm. and i think i mean that not to be a contrarian here where it's just like that's where i turn off where it's like where they felt more authentic was with like towards the the beginning and the end of the album, like that's them kind of thing, and the songs that were missing were just like, mm-hmm. what are you what are you fucking doing? I, here? I do think that you definitely hear Dave Grohl's fingerprint in in this album, and I think that a lot of the middle songs is where he he basically takes over a lot of the times. Okay. Like they're faster paced than what you normally get. You don't get that in Rated R, and you don't get that in in Lullabies to Paralyze. So it's like like. That is very Dave Grohl, but I think at the same time, like they they want that's why there's so many guest musicians on this album. Like, fresh. We blood. didn't we didn't talk about Alan Johannes is all over this thing. Uh, I can't remember the name of that girl that does keyboards. She was a touring member as well. Mm-hmm. She actually like died of breast cancer. Oh no! A few way. Years later, I but, think she was the one that does the womb. She uh, might have been. I but, think so. Yeah. But um, she uh she was the keyboard player on the album, and then she also like toured Natasha with Natasha Schneider. Yeah. She she yeah. later died of breast cancer, um, but um, but you know, those are the members that like their influences. There's like a making of the album thing, right? And she talked like you see her making the bass line on the keyboard for "God Is in the Radio," and it's just like the collaboration between this album later turns into what Josh creates the Desert Sessions, where it's like, well, we're gonna have a bunch of more artists and like. And it's not even going to be me as the lead singer. I'll, I may be the bass player. I may be the guitar player. I don't know what I'll show up as. Like, maybe I'm the drummer. And he does show up as drummer for um, Eagles of Death Metal later on and mm-hmm. things like that where it's like, it's kind of a cool concept that it's like you don't know what you're going to be on like certain tracks or what's going to happen on certain elements of it. Um, and I, I do like that element that he's just, or the whole band is open to like, being whatever whatever needs the song needs as opposed to being like i need to be the guitar player or i need to be yeah. the lead singer type of thing i dig it it's a really it's a album you know it's been around for what 22 years now um pretty much <laughs> wow <laughs> so no. it's like, yeah yeah no yeah 22 years yeah yeah uh, yeah nearly two i think it'll be 22 years in december i think or 22 years in november or something like that Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this year it turns twenty two. August. Yeah, it's old enough to drink. So like, <laughs> pretty much, you know. Um, what's weird is like it doesn't feel like when I when I was a kid I used to hear like oh this album's twenty years old, it would feel ancient, mm-hmm. you know, or you know like it would smell like you would say like an album and you'd be like oh that smells like old records like I can you know smell but this one's just like oh that still feels new like it still yeah. there's there still feels like. Or a timelessness to it, you know, to say something nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, you know, I do think that it's it has aged pretty well, I will mm-hmm. say. Like, they could put this album out today. Like, if it was I a agree. completely different band, they put this out, you wouldn't be like, oh, this came out in 2002. Like, this doesn't sound like modern music, you know, because mm-hmm. it has aged really well. Yeah. Yeah. D- yeah. Yeah, for its time when it came out, like where it was a lot of music that was aging. Yeah. <laughs> Horribly. I mean, you listen to, like, even things that were, like, if – no offense to like my chemical romance or something, but like it does sound very early two thousands emo rock era. Correct. Or corns untouchables. It sounds like you know, that 
2000s new metal phase or whatever like or even like when like metal was starting to transition back in you know like you, you get like those avenged sevenfolds and 18 visions or whatever where it's like those metal core band like it sounds very early 2000s <laughs> yeah. yeah that to me was always like the worst era of metal like i didn't know what was happening like uh-huh. i i was like i think i started to like I, I think around that time period, I also, like, found Dillinger Escape Plan, and I was like, oh, thank yeah. God, because, like, everything metal, like, was starting to sound like it was going to be some, like, Motley Crue wannabe, like, bullshit thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was, yeah. So, shout out to uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> I was like, what is he talking about? Dude, I'm turning into Joe Biden over Dude, here, man. I think you just had a stroke, bro. I That or I need to eat. Oh, dang. You want to hear some crazy breaking news? What? The Chargers have officially hired Jim Harbaugh. What? That's a huge. That's a huge get for those guys. Shit, I thought yeah. that was gonna be Bill Belichick. But anyways, yeah. that football episode is coming down the line another time. But anyways, are you got anything else you want to say no, about? Tell you, I do encourage everyone to listen to this. Like, yeah, yeah, just go fucking listen to. Th- that would be awesome if like everyone listening to this fucking write down why you like this album, why you think it's overrated, why you think it's boring, why you love it and change your life and like mm. got you off fucking heroin. heroin and all this shit like or why you're on heroin now because <laughs> of this album, which is very possible <laughs> and, uh, but um yeah, 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 I know I always say like get at us on all the social medias at R Jacob Do America including X at R Jacob Do A1 and tell us your thoughts on the episode. But yeah, I agree with Art. Like this is one where it's just like this is the first time like we 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 have differed in our opinions yeah. on this or whatever, right? We should pick more. I honestly I would like to hear more albums like this where it's like maybe we're not consensus Purple Rain. What do you think? What do you think about Purple Rain? Yeah, like we both like, love it. We both love it. Yeah. It's just an hour of us jacking yeah. it off kind of thing, which I mean, we still got to do that album. I want to have yeah. Dave from Suffocating yeah. on when he it gets better but um um yeah no no that, that that was an interesting thing like when you pitched it i was like well we haven't done that before where we i know you probably like it it was gonna surprise me if you told me you didn't like it i'm like yeah. why the fuck would you suggest oh, no you don't i love like? this album yeah yeah but i was like i remember not liking this album but it was it was a it was a cool journey to go down i was just like i was trying to convince myself and i listened to a few episodes of other podcasts where it's just like the the guy he organically brought that album to his co-host and a couple of them were like yeah i don't i don't like this album it was boring the shit out of me and then like it was funny to even like me being in the camp of like not thinking it was classic saying like no you're wrong about that that's a good song like yeah. the song for the dead i was like dude i love that song like how can you not like and they're like oh it's fucking boring it was trash or whatever and i was like all right you just don't get it man yeah, so yeah it was interesting to hear that so anyways like it's a long way of me saying if you have any opinions on this album or if you never listen to this album, listen to this album, then hit us up on all the social medias at R and Jacob do America, except for Twitter. We're at R and Jacob do a one. Uh, I did have on the, um, the multi-level marketing episode. There was actually a dude that hit me up on Instagram telling me about how his family was actually involved in it and gave me this big, long story about oh, how dang, his that's awesome. parents and stuff. And I was like, damn, they're out of it now. Right. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, he goes, it was a rough time. I was like, damn, man. Like, it made me hate fucking Pyramid Scheme yeah, even no, more, man. dude. It's funny because um, some dude actually, that guy that I was, like, arguing with, like, he sent me this whole thing about how, like, oh, dude, you just need to change your mind frame, like, on how you view, like, fucking Pyramid Scheme. Like, I was like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, You sound like you're in a cult, baby. Yeah, I was like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, yeah. I would block him. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. Delete <laughs> you you him. should block him not only because like <laughs> the bullshit he's spewing, but I feel like it like the negativity festers inside of you, and I don't think oh, you yeah, need yeah. that kind of shit right now. But anyway, hit us up on social medias uh, if you want to support this podcast, guys. Guys, I highly recommend heading on over to the Patreon over at Patreon.com/slash/EarnJacobDoAmerica, where we put together a bonus episode every single week. And nine times out of ten, those episodes on the Patreon are better than the actual episodes that you're hearing for free. Last week, I talked about the res- resurgence of my mom's haunted house, and I got a couple messages about that. Somebody said uh, that it was worth the price of subscription just for that story, even though Art thought it was the most boring shit ever. Wait, which that. one? About how I was telling you guys about how um, uh, the haunted, the haunting has returned to my mom's house and oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so again... that's per- that, that one we don't agree on for sure. Yeah, but anyways... <laughs> I digress there. That's why you didn't hear another story on the Patreon. Because I didn't hear Art bemoan me on that. But if you want to hear more about that, hit us up on the Patreon at patreon.com. If you want to support us in any other way, guys, 
hit us up on the website, rnjacobdoamerica.com. Follow the merch links where we currently have four designs up for your purchasing pleasure. Maybe we should buy a t-shirt machine like your homeboy over there who was making Sonic Youth shirts and whatnot. And make our No, they look like shit, dude. They literally look like a white shirt and someone stuck a giant sticker on it. <laughs> Never mind then. <laughs> we won't use the Patreon money for that. Uh, but anyways, uh, go to T. Follow the merch links where it'll take you to the T Public Store, buy a T-shirt. It's not so much to help us monetarily as we probably see a couple cents from every purchase made there, but it's more or less to help promote the podcast. So if you're watching Eagles of Death Metal or uh, Queens of the Stone Age or whoever, you know, and they see an R. Jacob Do America T-shirt, they'll peruse our catalog and listen to this episode, increase our listenership, maybe become fans, maybe become patrons. Who knows? But it'll help promote this podcast as you are a walking billboard if you will if you want to hear other great podcasts guys we are official members of the podbelly network so go ahead and hit up podbelly.com check out other great podcasts this is the world famous sofa king podcast hillbilly horror stories robots for eyes paranormal punchers ectoplasm and god damn it it's garbage day or some bullshit about where they play video games and talk about them or whatever. but if that's your bag go to podbelly.com check out our brothers over there but with that said art I'm done, baby. Yeah, I'm done, dude. Yeah, so goodbye and good night.